0: Ah, the sounds of business. But what you can't hear is energy efficiency hard at work. At Georgia Power, we know that the easiest way to lower energy costs is taking simple steps to save energy, like opening the blinds during the day to take advantage of natural light and replacing lighting with LED fixtures and bulbs, a cost-effective and energy-efficient solution. Get savvy on saving energy with more energy efficiency tips, programs, and rebates. Visit georgiapower.com slash commercial savings today. This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money and improve your household harmony.
1: I'm Dinah Rowe-Roberts, an operations manager, and it was my second child that pushed me into life admin overwhelm. I'm Mia Northrop, a researcher and writer who found having kids an unfathomably immense
0: shock to my hitherto to organise life and manageable domestic responsibilities.
1: In this episode, we'll take you through all our top hacks for new parents. Hello, and
0: welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. We want to have a shout out to our long-time listeners. Hello, we hope you're doing well. And hello to those new to the show as well. Diana and I are thrilled that you've made time for us today. And we want to thank also one of our latest reviewers, Joanna Pilates. I love the names that people put for their reviews. Joanna Pilates on Apple Podcasts there was five stars and said, this is the best admin advice. It simply changed my attitude to life admin. It saved me time and money by the book. It's an excellent reference tool. My life is finally getting sorted. Joanna Pilates, we're so thrilled for you. You've obviously found time to do Pilates, which is, you know, there's a win right there. Thank you for leaving us that review.
1: So we love getting episode requests from listeners. And a little while ago, we received a request from Cynthia, which is who's from Sydney and that's what really has inspired this episode so she wrote to us and she said she'd recently discovered our podcast and she's been enjoying the past episodes she says I understand you're both mothers and I'm wondering if you might do an episode on your experiences adjusting to life admin with a baby I have a six-month-old and between the regular house upkeep and enjoying time with him I sometimes struggle to prioritize all the other stuff well you're certainly not alone there
0: We are very happy to talk about this because, as Diana said in her intro, it really was having kids that takes life admin up a level. So, you know, we will talk about this today. We also want to acknowledge that we've got a few other kid related episodes if we want to dive deep on this. In episode 26, we talk about optimizing kid admin. In episodes 45 and 51, Tracy Spicer and Michael Gross, parenting expert, respectively, talk about upskilling your kids to contribute more at home. And in episode 54, we talk about daycare and school transitions and how to prepare for them. But in this episode, we're really going to focus on, you know, when you're preparing to have a baby, when you're pregnant and it's about to happen. And then that first year where, you know, life is never the same.
1: And I, I think, you know, we talked a bit before about how life admin explodes we actually, when we did that survey a little while ago, we found that parents do about one third more life admin than non-parents. And when you think about it, okay, all of a sudden you add parenting responsibilities to your life. And on top of that, your life admin increases by a third. So no wonder everyone feels super overwhelmed. That's it.
0: So before you have a kid, you know, you've just got ample leisure time. You've got physical energy, mental energy. You might have multiple incomes coming into the household. You've got more physical space. You've got more head space. And, you know, life happens either done independently or it's designed around two people. Afterwards, your leisure time plummets. You've got less physical energy, less mental energy. Your income might have dropped if both, or one or both of you have left the paid work for a time. You have more expenses And you've got less space and the life admin increases because now you have to accommodate another person and the housework, you know, explodes as well. So if you think about that little Venn diagram that we talk about, that's encompassing all of your domestic responsibilities, you know, you've got one little circle that's housework, which is traditionally the cleaning, the cooking, the laundry. You've got one little circle that's life admin, which is all that personal and household admin. And then you have this whole new circle of parenting and your life admin circle and your your house work circle both got bigger so <laughs> it, it's hard you know in Cynthia's little uh, request she said look uh, how do you prioritize all the other stuff and uh, it's worth remembering that prioritizing is really about deciding what you won't do and getting clear about what's truly urgent or important and letting go of the rest so i would take the all out of prioritizing all the other stuff because having a kid is definitely an exercise in trying to let go of some things and getting crystal clear about what does deserve your energy and your attention and your
1: time. I guess one of the most important things to be thinking about when you're becoming a parent or if you already are a parent is to think about this concept of the mental load and I I think that that Emma cartoon if you haven't already seen it make sure you look it up she's a French comic and she created this comic about the mental load And it really does, particularly for in there's a partnership if you're in a different sex couple and in the traditional role of a woman who might take a much longer parental leave from work, what tends to happen is that you're at home and you're doing a lot of the parenting and then you take on a lot of that mental, the thinking, the planning, the scheduling to make everything happen. So it's really important to really think about starting as you mean to go on. So setting up those systems very early on that allow you to share that load. You know, it is this huge shock to realize this new level of responsibility and attention you have to give to your your child, and all of a sudden it's this personal time shrinking. So really, starting as you mean to go on is incredibly important. So thinking about how you're going to have those conversations about sharing the load because this is a conversation that will keep happening throughout this child's life and also getting in place those foundational life admin systems that really make it much easier to share a lot of those tasks.
0: And that conversation is, you know, you have it before the kid comes along and you'll have it pretty soon afterwards too (laughs) once you realise, oh my god, is this what life is like now? And then you keep having to have that conversation because as the baby develops, its needs change. It's going to sleep for more. It's going to, you know, there'll be eating, there'll be playtime. Suddenly it has a social life, its own extracurricular stuff. And as it changes, as it goes through these little developmental milestones, your amount of time and attention that you need to dedicate to it changes, which means you have less time or more time for other things. Then, you know, if you're thinking about going back to the paid work, again. You know, your life is going to change. You have less time. Your, your responsibilities will be sitting elsewhere. So you'll need to have the conversation again, pretty much every quarter, every six months, every year for the rest of its life. it's living with you, you can keep having the conversation. It doesn't go away. Hopefully, you just get really good at it at some stage. But it is it is a constant, vigilant act to be talking about how you are sharing the load, so that there feel as that feeling of equity in the partnership and things feel fair. and and, and, and at the end of the day. It really goes down to supporting your wellbeing because, you know, it's disheartening how many conversations we still have with new mums where they are shouldering everything. They're stressed out. They're tired. They're resentful. They're getting angry. They can be spiraling into anxiety. You can get very depressed because it can be very isolating and exhausting. So it it is, do take it seriously and make it a priority to, to start with those conversations.
1: So shall we get started and talk about some of the administrative tasks you might want to think about when you're having or planning a family, Mia?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because when you read baby books or you talk to experts in the area like maternal health nurses and, and people who are supporting you through your pregnancy, conventional wisdom recommends sort of focusing discussions on housework, like how you're going to share the cleaning and the cooking and the shopping and the laundry and having discussions around parenting. So you might have discussions around, you know, childcare and who's going to help feed and clothes and do the nappies and give the bath and get them to sleep. And who's going to take them for walks. You probably have a conversation around paid care, like whether you want to have a nanny or daycare or, you know, have relatives or family daycare involved. want to have a talk about parenting styles and your values and principles. And also how you're going to have some time as a couple and individual time and family time, There are all the things that very normally get talked about before you have a baby. But as we mentioned, there's this third dimension of domestic life, which is all the life admin stuff. And there is definitely a lot of paperwork and admin to do before the child is even born.
1: Yeah. And I mean, my kids are in high school and I still have, I do more life admin for them than I do for myself. So it's definitely something that doesn't go away. So really getting on top of it, having great systems and figuring out how to share the loads is important. Mm. So if we think about right even before the baby's born, you know, one of the things that really surprised me was finding an obstetrician. Like mm. that was a life admin task in and of itself and it wasn't simple. Uh, was that a simple thing for you? Oh,
0: gosh. I asked friends, who did you use, Who did you like? And I just went to one that was close and what someone recommended. <laughs> So, yeah, I did decide to go into the private system to have a baby because I was terrified of the whole thing and I wanted to be, there's a a maternity hospital that's near where I live and I wanted to just go there because I was familiar. I'd visited friends there and I just, it gave me reassurance. And I had private health insurance and I thought, this is what I've been paying for, I'm going to use it. So I just asked some friends who who they had used at that hospital and ended up going in and meeting with them and off I went. But obviously, if you're going to the public hospital through the public system where you have very few costs, you still need to understand how it works. Usually you'll go in and you'll see a doctor or a midwife and yeah, you need to get familiar with what kinds of records you're going to be keeping all the appointments. There's a lot of appointments and they get, they get more frequent as you get closer to having the baby. So having that digital calendar in place to, to schedule all of that for your partner if your partner up can come along with you, they're all really good things to organise.
1: And I think it can be kind of a time consuming process, like exploring all those different options of obstetricians and midwives and understanding what the options are out there, and then making sure that you select the one that works for you. So it is something to get onto and research quite early and ask lots of questions and be curious about what your options are and understand the implications. So certainly know that sometimes if you go in the public system, you might not be able to choose who you'll use you know who you're seeing and you might have longer waiting times, but that might be fine for you versus, you know, some of those other decisions you but, talked about. So really thinking about deciding what's important to you. I had
0: that thing where, you know, I went and had my obstetrician and I saw her for nine months and then on the day of the birth she was unavailable and some strain to deliver the baby. So, you know, I
1: I <laughs> You never know what could happen today. day. No, you don't. You don't. Okay, so if you've uh, you've figured out where you're going to have the baby, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, then something that people do quite early these days is often book in for childcare. So reserve a place, particularly if it's you know a high in demand community centre. They're trying to get their child on the waiting list for. So you know you need to be mindful that other people are putting their children's name down before they're born, and so. You kind of have to match what they're doing if you want to secure a place in the centre that's perhaps most convenient or most desirable for you. Yeah, this is not something
0: to do two months before you're returning to work.
1: I I remember rocking up to the the
0: daycare centre that was near us, like heavily pregnant and having to write, you know, baby Northrop on the form, thinking it was ridiculous, but being so relieved because when I did go back to work, you know, the place was ready for her. And I've had other friends who... Are ready to go back to work, and they're literally scrounging around trying to find somewhere to send their kid. So hopefully, you don't live somewhere where that's the case. But if you do, start visiting those childcare centres and filling out the forms.
1: And I also think it's really important to think about early on understanding your financial situation. So having a think about how long you might be wanting to take off work understanding what parental leave you might be eligible uh, from your employer or from Centrelink and really thinking about how that budget's going to work so that you can work out how much you might want to save during those months while you're pregnant so you're confident about you know how much time you can take off and how your budget's going to work while perhaps you reduce down to one income.
0: And obviously there's in Australia, Surfaces Australia, you get paid parental leave as well but that's on top of any parental leave your employer might pay. That doesn't kick in obviously until you've had the baby and can't apply until you've registered the birth.
1: So, something else that I guess we're both huge advocates of that we recommend you really think about early on is meal planning and thinking about perhaps even before the baby's born, having some meal preparation done so you can stash away some meals in the freezer. So that makes it much easier for those first few weeks, which are likely to be very sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Was that something you did, Mia?
0: I remember. Eating slab after slab of lasagna and being so damn happy every time I come it out of the freezer in the morning, it in the microwave. So, my ex husband makes a, an amazing lasagna and he made a lot of it. And I lived on it. I lived on it for about six weeks, I reckon. And then, anyone else who said, you, Do you want any food? I was like, Lasagna, lasagna, bring me lasagna.
1: <laughs> That's so
0: funny. How about you?
1: I think that because I when I had my first baby do you remember this I actually was living with my parents you remember that because I moved back from overseas and I stayed with my parents I was basically being looked after by my mum for the first six weeks yeah no so I came back to Australia and I had the baby here and then I stayed with my parents for the first six weeks of her life so I basically just got Waited on hand and foot, and as much as that's kind of weird, spending the first six weeks of your child's life with your parents, highly recommend it from a meal cooking point of view. Particularly because my mum's a midwife, so I had like you know good quality help at hand. So highly recommend.
0: Well, that's how it used to happen in the olden days. I I wish that we had that idea of confinement where you just stayed home and family looked after you for 40 days. (laughs) That's how it should be. That's still how it should be.
1: So I think that the the key advice here is just plan to be sleep deprived. So think about, you know, what you can do to make those first few weeks easier when it comes to food, which is really important. Another thing to really start to lean into is checklists. And I think this is very early on where you can establish a a hospital checklist of the things you might want to be taking to the hospital with you and start to think about other checklists you might want to establish. And again, making sure that you've got the right app that you can share with your partner. So if, uh, you know, things happen a bit sooner than you thought if you've got a checklist that you can both get your hands on really easily and that you can find and add to things as you think you add items to it as you think of it it's a really good way as you know starting that start as you mean to go on
0: well, I'm thinking of all the sort of the baby forum and the baby book apps as well like the what you can expect when you're expecting mm. and all, you know all of those places often have their own apps with their own lists But, yes, it can be a good habit to start your own checklists in an app that you can use into the future. So keepsakes, keepsake system, this is something that also starts very early on. I still have, uh, this grossed my children out, (laughs) amazingly, I still have the pregnancy tests of when I found out I was pregnant (laughs) with both of them. They still have the little pink line, you know, 12 years later. That's
1: so weird. Yeah.
0: I showed them that, and they just like, oh my god, mum, TMI. <laughs> but, you know, you start collecting the ultrasounds, and there's a lot to to keep on top of. So having a keepsake system, which is either going to be a box or hanging files or whatever works for you, but somewhere to start storing all of this stuff into prosperity.
1: Yeah, and have somewhere where you can. It's really convenient to add things to. So don't store yeah. it at the top of a cupboard where you have to stand on a ladder to add things to it, you're going to be adding to it frequently, particularly over those, you know, first few months. So really make sure it's somewhere that you can easily add things to it so that you don't lose them or, you know, they don't sort of clutter up uh, up your home.
0: You've got the little bracelet that the kid will wear in the hospital. You might want to keep a little bit of umbilical cord that oh. falls off. But whatever, you know, whatever takes you fancy. <laughs> Let's talk about shopping. Let's talk about all the gear that you need, Dinah.
1: Yeah, so I guess that's another checklist that you might want to establish is as you're reading and talking to people, you know, put down a checklist of all the things you might want to get, and then you can start to think about, you know, you know what you might be able to borrow from other people, what you might be able to get secondhand, and also things that you might want to buy new, and making a plan to do that over time because there's quite a lot of stuff you're going to need, so you yeah. don't want to have to do it in one big bang.
0: Yeah, we're talking about the clothes, we're talking about little toys like the, the things they chew on the little mobiles they stare at, bedding and all the equipment, the you know, the cots, the child carriers, the carriers that you wear, the car seats, the high chairs. It just, it's amazing. I didn't have a checklist for this. I had a, I had a spreadsheet, diner, And, you know, I don't really like spreadsheets, but it's boring to the spreadsheet because there was a lot of stuff. And I was lucky that a friend shared a spreadsheet that she'd been Gifted by someone else, and I literally <laughs> shared. It was like a Google, a Google Sheet spreadsheet. I can't tell you how many people I've shared that document with. I think it's made a certain, there's certain rounds of parts of Melbourne. It's the same spreadsheet that has all of the things, notes of people trying different brands of things and how many to buy, like how many of those bluey sheets do you put on your nappy change table, and how many of those little cloths do you need to wipe up all the spit up. Like it was just so useful to have that and just work my way through.
1: Definitely. And and I do think it's an area where often you do get given things by other people Mm -hmm. and I think it can be easy actually then to end up with too much stuff. And certainly I had that experience of being given lots of things and then I ended up with so much and really thinking about how many you really need and sort of decluttering early so that you don't have so many, you know, size triple zero jumpsuits that you know, they sort of balloon into your house. You really, are, you know, if you've got a checklist and you think, oh, actually I need, you know, 10 of those, pick the 10 nicest ones and, and you know, hand on the rest right from the beginning so you're not over, overloaded with too many things. Yeah. A couple of practical things you might also want to think about before the baby's born or early on is thinking about getting your will updated. So if you haven't got a will, you might want to get one so that um, you you know, put the financial security of your child. But also at that time, think about, oh, who might be the guardian of my child should my partner and I both um, pass away in that event? And that's kind of an interesting conversation to have when you start to think about who you might trust, but also who might be capable, You know, who's in the right season of their life that they could take on the responsibility of another child.
0: It is uh, can be a tricky conversation. We have a separate episode on that to talk about, you know, the different elements that you have to consider and how to find a lawyer to, um, to do that for you. But it is pretty important. The other thing on that same kind of vein is to think about your insurances, life insurance, income protection insurance, especially if you have debt, if you have a mortgage, if something happens to you and, or you know, you can't, you know, if you pass away or you can't earn an income and there's long-term debt and someone has to look after the kid and all the kids' expenses, that's where insurances can be really important. So step up and have a look at whether the yours need to be updated or if you don't have it, whether it's something that will give you peace of mind.
1: And finally, something impractical but highly fun is the baby moon. A baby moon. I do think it's one of those things that it, it can be easy to actually not plan it because you have to really fly before. I think, do you have to fly before 32 weeks? I can't remember. Yeah.
0: So, this is a little holiday that you have before the baby comes because you're recognizing that after the baby comes,
1: it ain't going to be a holiday. So, where did you go? Did you have a baby moon?
0: I didn't for my first baby. Actually, as I said that, I'm like, did I? Did I have a baby moon? We went on holiday, but it wasn't actually a baby moon. We ended up, we went to China. I, I you know what? I had to go to a conference. I'm <laughs> just remembering now. <laughs> I had to speak at a conference in China and I was five months pregnant. It was good to get away, but it wasn't exactly a very relaxing trip, but it was nice to get away. With, before I had my second child, I had an actual baby moon where I went on holiday and just chilled by a pool for three nights and ate club sandwiches <laughs> and watched I just you know I had my second baby when my daughter was 18 months old and I'd only I'd gone back to work and I just needed three days by myself to just be by myself and not have to run after anybody I just needed to sleep and it was great I came back feeling very refreshed and ready for the for the next ride on the roller coaster
1: (laughs) do you what did you do So before our first child was born, we went on trip to Turkey. So I think that's why I was thinking we had to fly reasonably early because, you know, it was international travel. And we really sort of deliberately chose that as a place we'd been really wanting to go and thinking, oh, probably not the best destination to take a baby or a toddler. So it was really, you know, knocking something off the list that was going to be fun with a bit of relaxation and a bit of adventure. And we did actually also slip in trips before our second child was born. We disappeared off to Jordan, knowing that Taking one yeah. child to Jordan was going to be doable, but a second child, maybe not so much. But, you know, really planning no, no. that in advance to make sure that we did it before I was too advanced in the pregnancy was really important.
0: And I love all the photos of you where your daughter's just strapped to your chest. <laughs> every single photo. You look really happy. Yeah,
1: we had great, great trips. With one child, super easy. Once we had the second child, all of a sudden I realised, oh, this is not as easy as it was with one kid. Uh, when you're man Ooh. on man, it's really tricky.
0: Yeah, I'm very admiring of people who travel with young children. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was just a nervous wreck. Anywho, moving quite along. So let's fast forward. You've had the baby. It's six months in, and you're in the. This is my life now. How do I do all of the things that need to be done? Because it is such a intense period. It's, and it's truly one of those things that you can't really imagine how it's going to be until it
1: happens, and then you're like, oh, this is what everyone's
0: kind of talking about. Where shall we start, Dime?
1: Yeah, let's kick off with schedules because I think that like that's kind of something that's really underpins in terms of inability to plan, but an importance of having a rhythm to your week. So kind of getting that balance right.
0: Yeah. And here we're not talking about like routines for the baby, like schedules for the baby where, you know, some of those books, is like sleep at this time and then feed them for 35 minutes and then do this. We're not talking about baby schedules, we're talking about life admin and household admin schedules. So it's, it's useful to actually distinguish here between like a schedule for the week where, you know, like this is the day that laundry happens. This is the day where I meal plan. This is when grocery shopping has to happen. And just knowing that overall rhythm and then the routine for the day for yourself, like when are you going to shower? When are you going to meditate or whatever it is you're trying to do? When are you trying to squeeze in some exercise, having a think about having that kind of structure? So you don't have to make a million decisions every day. You've kind of got a week that's planned out that has all those foundational tasks so that you can just operate a little bit on automatic pilot. And it's funny because often when you go on maternity leave, if you've been in paid work before, then your day sort of has a bit of structure around it because you've got to get yourself to work and it will be in work mode and then you come back. And then when you go on maternity leave, It's like, you know, all of the normal structure that work work once provided is gone. Then, once you actually return to work, whether it's part time or full time, those routines and schedules, if they're, they kind of need to be highly structured to support that smooth functioning of the household because there is so much that needs to be squeezed into each day or the week. And then, as the baby develops, your routine will change, you know, as they need to eat and sleep and play at different times, it'll change from month to month. But Having that shared digital calendar, your partner across your household so everybody can see where everyone needs to be, what needs to happen on certain days is going to be a really great framework for you to lean on.
1: Yeah, definitely. And really starting to have that option of being able to schedule in some time and your partner understanding, oh, you know, this is going to be my turn to look after the the child. And so therefore really getting that um, established early, again, coming back to my favourite things, starting as you mean to go on. We've already talked about checklists a bit about before the baby was born but you know checklists will continue to become your friend. They are great to have as a list of things like for example a checklist for leaving the house so that you don't forget the important dummy or the formula or the you know three spare nappies or whatever it is and if you've got those checklists well established and your partner can access them that makes it way easier for you to have that freedom to leave the house without having to feel like you need to give a complicated list of instructions. But what needs to happen when you're not there? I had so many
0: packing checklists. It was like I had a checklist for what to pack in, like a bag. What's the bag that you carry around called?
1: You know, oh, a baby bag, is it? Nappy, a bag?
0: A nappy bag. Nappy bag? Oh God, I had a mental blank there. I had a list for that because it's like, oh, I need to take my breast pump or I need to take, you know, it's just <laughs> once they start eating, there's all the little bits and bobs. It's just the creams, the oh, so many creams. Uh, yeah. I had checklists for if, if I was going, you know, if someone was looking after the baby, checklists to what to pack to go to daycare, checklists for what they need to go for swimming lessons, just list after list after list. And then there's also the to-do lists because, you know, the sleep deprivation, you're not thinking particularly clearly for some time. And I found it even more important to, to capture things and write them down. Otherwise, I had no chance of remembering
1: them. Yeah, having those checklists, the to-do lists, have your system optimised and shared, you know, that's something that will continue on. I've just established a new checklist for my son's just done a new sport. He's 13. Now we have a checklist for that, which I share with him. So, you know, I think if you can establish those systems, um, they'll stand you in good stead for many years to come.
0: I just, I attempted to do that with my daughter recently, a checklist for her to get out of the house in the morning, and I did it on my phone and I sent it to her but one of the things that she forgets to look at is her phone <laughs> so we're going to,
1: bed. We went to bed. so another important thing to really get on top of is decluttering so i think this is where developing habits to declutter as you go very early will stand you in good stead because the reality is your child is going to grow out of things the toys are going to you know move on mm-hmm. And so there is going to be a lot of things that you need to either put away if you're planning to have more children or give away if you're not planning to have other children. So knowing where you're going to stash it. And it
0: happens astoundingly fast.
1: Like, you know, when you have a, a baby, one week
0: to the next, they'll grow out of literally all of their clothes. They'll be into the next size. So you need to wash those items, bag them, scribble what size they're on. And know where that's going, as you said, either having a cupboard in your house where you can start relegating this stuff, having a favourite op shop where you can dump it, have some friends or family who you know will be appreciative of those hand-me-downs and just get that little decluttering machine going. Meal planning, if you didn't embrace it before the baby, you'll be embracing it now, Once, especially once your baby moves on to solids and you need to think about what you can cook. That's going to feed the grown-ups as well as get pureed or mushed into something that the baby could eat as well. And again, it allows you to share that responsibility. Everyone knows what's happening for dinner at different nights of the week. Someone else can shop for that, and then other you know multiple people can prepare that. Bulk cooking is your friend. Having some time during the week or on the weekend to make a massive batch of something. I like I did this for my lunches. Actually, as I'm saying that, I was going to say I did massive batches of dough until I realised because I was breastfeeding my daughter that that was having all sorts of revolting consequences for her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but making big batches of whatever it is that can sustain you for your lunches or snacks or for dinner or whatever it might be, it's just little things that are going to help you save time. And and also batch cooking snacks for the kids. Like I feel like i feeding my kids little banana cakes From the minute they could eat solids and they've been I been batch cooking banana cakes every other week for their entire lives <laughs> they're very sick of banana cake but oh I love
1: it I mean it's been a massive time saver for me and I think it's also one of those things where if you you know if you don't want to do the grocery shopping uh, you can split those duties like someone can do the meal planning someone can do the grocery shopping someone can do the cooking yeah. so really thinking about which part of the Job do you hate the least, <laughs> and seeing if you can negotiate to keep that part of the job and share the other parts with your partner.
0: And also online shopping. It's worth mentioning the online shopping. Just setting up those master lists. You know, with some of the online stores now, you can have like a subscription for the delivery, which means you can get it delivered as much as you want, and it just costs one flat monthly fee. Like sign up for that just to save yourself another trip to the shops. So trips to the shops for small babies can be very traumatic. I uh, just, yeah, get it shipped in if you can, and also the meal kits, the Hello Freshes, the marley spoons, the Plates. Yeah. I have vouchers for all of that stuff. If anyone wants one, get onto one of them. That will help you out a couple of nights a week or as many nights a week as you want as well. And now most of them extend into supplying ready-to-eat meals and soups and all. We'll sorts of extra bits fruit boxes all of that stuff that can be delivered free up your time
1: so another thing to really think about you know and if you can afford it is to think about okay particularly if those early years of having a baby and a toddler where you're know, in a really season of your know, life is very busy thinking about what you might be able to outsource so perhaps you haven't had a cleaner in the past it might be a time if you can afford it to think about getting one can be a great thing to ask for as a gift if you've got you know you're leaving work like maybe you can get a voucher for. A, you know, a clean, even just one clean in those first few weeks of a baby's life can be a really sort of a godsend. But you can also think about asking for help. So what tasks might you be able to get other people to help you with when you're having that busy season of life around maybe walking the dog or, you know, some, some things like that, which might fairly tip you into overwhelm.
0: Yeah. And the final thing we want to talk about is your social life, because friends are medicine. It is a strange period of time where your social life kind of shrinks in one direction because you might not see all of your old friends as much unless they've all got children the same age as yours. And you start hanging out with a whole bunch of other people, usually people who live close to you that you've been plonked in a mother's group with, and you all have babies the same age. And it's a strange transition as you realise you have less time to socialise the way you used to, the things you used to do, just seeing more of other people that you might necessarily have a lot of, in common with, sort of those friendships of proximity. It's one of those things where you have to be quite deliberate to maintain friendships with other people because your your life has changed and you might not be in the same season, in the same gear at that time. So it's really a, a moment to think about what we talk about in the book is friends' And social activities where there's like a people priority where it's all about hanging out with certain people that you want to see versus an event priority which is all about activities you want to do and you don't really mind that much who you do it with so with people priority you know you might just want to hang out with Caro because she's fun and you don't care what you do with an event priority it's like I want to go to the movies I miss going to the cinema and I really don't care who comes with me so these are the sort of things you need to learn about yourself think about Uh, you know how are you going to accommodate both of those things
1: and it's so important to really plan for it to make time for it and to think about how much you want to prioritize as you know social life as a family so you and your partner and your child or children versus the things you want to try and do on your own Mm. and getting that balance right and being realistic about you know you don't want to be out seven nights a week that's just not going to happen being realistic and When you do get to go out, it's precious, so you really want to make the most of it. So really thinking about using that time really deliberately to spend time with the people that are most important to you.
0: And this is where, you know, babysitters become crucial when you can start thinking about who in your circle can babysit, who in your family, babysitting for other people in your mother's group and doing that sort of reciprocal thing. I had a babysitter that I lined up for like a year in advance. We set out all the dates once a month so that we could book restaurants and prepare and be a bit organized about it. Otherwise it was really hard. It was really hard to sort of to have to find a babysit when we needed it, when we realized oh we have a window, we should go and do something and then not be able to find a sitter. So that was a, a nice way. And something to really look forward to as well. So we've covered a lot of ground here. You know, that idea that the days are long but the years go fast when you have a small child is very true. And it can feel really intense trying to squeeze in so much. But the first thing we would say is just bring some self-compassion to the situation. Realize that you're in a very special season of life and that the time with your kid is incredibly precious when they're that little. So just let go of the life admin that you can. There's a whole bunch of stuff that can be parked. There's a whole bunch of stuff that can happen less frequently. Hopefully you can still embrace that hour of power to do the things that are actually important and urgent. But there are a whole other bunch of things that can simply wait.
1: So hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope that these hacks will make dealing with your life admin as a parent that little bit easier. Our top hacks are have the conversations with your partner about sharing the load. This is going to be a regular thing, so get good at having that conversation. Lean into schedules and routines so you've got a good rhythm in your household and things hum along nicely. And finally, embrace decluttering and meal planning. We think they have the biggest impact on an ongoing basis for family harmony.
0: Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. And if you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It's Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. Now well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo 4x2 for 369 dollars a month for 24 months with $2,999 due at signing. Tax title license extra, no security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution and lease through Ally Financial. Current lease must end by 6 Extra charge for miles over 20,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by five thirty one twenty three. 23 Jeep is a registered trademark.